Hello, Great Minds. I'm here and recording, so that means it's time for Drinks with Great Minds in History as we get ready to do the thing that apparently all men do multiple times per day. That is, think about the Roman Empire as we wrap up Season 4. So, welcome to the show, everyone. As always, I'm your host, Mr. DGMH, otherwise known as Zach DeBacco, and today we are going to be thinking about the Roman Empire, something that spent weeks ravaging your For You pages across social media. Hell, it has probably even hit Instagram Reels by now. It really isn't surprising, though, that DGMH would dive into another story tied to the Roman Empire. I mean, we fucking covered Cleopatra this season. Actually, in a sort of three birds, one stone situation, we are diving back into Rome, Cleopatra, and the Hellenistic world, as well as our hidden little subject of the season, poison. I mean, we had to circle back to our first poisonous tale in some way, as that is this hidden theme of season four, and no better place to do that than the season four finale, as poison is where it all began. So, in the Cleopatra saga, I repeatedly noted that she was one of the last bastions, if not the final, of the Hellenistic world, a world that was rapidly falling to Rome. I kind of said failing and falling there, but either one works. Well, she may have been one of the last to resist Rome's grasp, but she certainly wasn't the only one. Yes, today we are looking at a warrior of the Hellenistic world, of Cleopatra's world, well, maybe her dad's world, that is Mithridates. And I gotta say, I haven't really heard about Mithridates before this, and I honestly don't spend that much time thinking about the Roman Empire. Not really. Do most men either, I imagine. As to our subject for today, Mithridates, king of Pontus, well, he and Cleopatra actually existed in the same world ever so briefly, a world that was becoming all too Roman. Their stories overlap for just a few years, but only indirectly and being loosely connected through Pompey. But we'll get to that, maybe. As for the drink, well, I had to bust out my ouzo one more time as we are heading back to the Greece area, but I also grabbed a Greek IPA. Yes, they do exist, and they're quite good. This one is Vorea IPA, and it's quite a unique combination of Greek beer and American hops, which I have only been able to find at a local Greek restaurant by the bottle, and it is surprisingly good, at least as surprising as I was surprised by its existence. Speaking of surprising existence, it's time for an ad. Yes, this episode of DGMH is brought to you by Manscaped. Cheers to the new year from our friends at Manscaped, because your resolutions shouldn't be the only things that are well kept. 2024 is a time for new heights, new opportunities, and a new look for a new year. And the best way to do that is with Manscaped's Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. It is every man's cheat code to look good, feel good, and turn the page on confidence this year. This next-gen trimmer ensures precision and ease when tackling your toughest hairs, whether you're looking to maintain a trim or go for a clean-shaven look. Regardless of what you're looking for, this trimmer has you covered. Yes, now is your time to get a grip on your grooming with an exclusive offer. Just use code DGMH at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. I mean, come on, we all have hair, some of us more than others. We get a haircut, we trim our beards, and yes, we scape other things. And there's no better way to handle your hair than with Manscaped. Manscaped provides premier grooming products for all your shaving needs. And if you're looking to up your daily grooming routine, start with the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. This fifth-generation lawnmower features two interchangeable next-gen skin-safe blade heads, a standard one for taking a little off the top, as well as a new foil blade. And did I mention it's waterproof? And if you buy now, Manscaped will also throw in two free gifts, the Boxers 2.0 and the Shed 2.0 toiletry bag. 
Resolutions may come and go, but a well-groomed you is here to stay with Manscaped's latest and greatest. So start the new year right, because when you look good, you feel good. Manscaped's helping you sculpt the best version of yourself for the year ahead. It's a new year, a new you, and definitely time for a new trimmer, and Manscaped's got your grooming resolutions covered. Because nothing says Happy New Year like a deal that leaves you and your budget feeling refreshed. So great minds, just follow the link in the show notes to get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com using code DGMH at checkout. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com using code DGMH. Well, let's get to it. Another tale of poison and death in the crumbling Hellenistic world, just as Rome and all its Pompeys and Caesars were beginning to dominate the Mediterranean world. But first, it's some history for you, a reason to drink for me, it's the history of the great minds that made history come to be. So like I said, today we are going to talk about Mithridates. That is, Mithridates the Great, King of Pontus and Resister of Rome. Well, sort of, I guess. You know, tried his best. But you see, I am really only interested in the story of his death, still I have to give you a bit of the history and overview of this great mind's story. Mithridates was born in Asia Minor, that is, modern-day Turkey, and he was the son of King Mithridates V. Mithridates and his father were forced into a rather undesired alliance with the Roman Republic. Although this was to be a mutually beneficial relationship and alliance, it was rather one-sided, as Pontus seemed to help Rome more than they helped them, and saw little in return. Now, Mithridates V's life is well documented, but his death is a bit of a mystery. Still, the most commonly held belief is that he was assassinated, poisoned to death, around 120 BCE, right around the time of his son's ascension. Not to imply that his son had anything to do with it. But for a short time, Mithridates' mother ruled as absolute regent over her two sons, who were to, in the end, rule jointly. However, she favored her younger son over today's subject, and Lodice, his mother, plotted against Mithridates, forcing him into hiding for nearly three years. But when he returned to seize his kingdom, he did so rather politically, and not so much by force, nevertheless having his mother and brother imprisoned, the later likely being executed. Then he did what all smart men of the ancient world do. Fucking incest. Yes, he married his sister, who, by the way, was also named Lodice, and with the bloodline and throne now secured, he began a series of failed efforts to consolidate control of the Black Sea. However, these failures resulted in an alliance with King Nicomedes, Nicomedes III, and I suck at Roman names like I do all their languages, but either way, or Roman, that's not even accurate, but Roman period names, I don't fucking know. Either way, this alliance led Mithridates to make attempts to control all of Asia Minor, but... This alliance would actually beget a war with a much more problematic player on the rise in the region, Rome. Now a quick side note, and not at all relevant to the story in any way, I'm sure, what is most interesting about today's subject is that he witnessed and had to deal with a long train of plots against his life, his father's life, plots led by his mother and other family members, plots by his rivals in his rise to power. With all this plotting and assassination attempts, he became, in the end, kind of paranoid. And I guess rightfully so, but his next step, it's a little odd, as Mithridates went about dosing himself with small batches of various poisons to prevent an assassination brought about by some sort of toxic situation. And wow, that was pretty cheesy even for me. But today this Rasputin-esque process is actually known medically-ish as Mithridatism, but we can circle back to that later if we need to. So in his life, Mithridates would actually lead Pontus into three wars against Roman dominance that would in the end result in Roman dominance of Pontus, and so much more. In fact, it was during one of these wars that Judea, the client kingdom that Herod came to rule in Cleopatra and Caesar's day, would be first annexed by Rome, as Judea was one of the various smaller states that joined Pontus. 
well, really join Mithridates in his rise against Rome and Roman influence. In many cases, it was literally that, too, risings and revolts against Roman rule in the Greco-Ionian regions like Pergamum. Rather shockingly, this was the casus belli, or justification or cause, of the war. Roman influence was heavily under attack, as Mithridates' influence surged and mass uprisings led to the execution of nearly 80,000 Roman settlers in the Asia Minor region, in what is known as the Asiatic Vespers. So basically around 88 BCE, Mithridates' uprisings led to the death of 80 to 150,000 Roman or Latin-speaking peoples in the region, depending on what source you read. And we're going to gloss over all the cultural genocide and what are known as the Three Mithridotic Wars pretty quickly. The first war ended in a Roman victory and a treaty that restored their dominance in Greece, but was not enforced at all in Asia Minor. This is mainly as a result of a civil war known as the Social War because all Romans did during the Republican years was engage in civil wars, yet somehow they still ended up on top. How? Fucking Caesar, that's how. Either way, the treaty failed and a second war broke out that ended inconclusively. However, the third would mark the end of Mithridates' reign, the collapse of Free Pontus, and the beginnings of a more Roman Asia Minor. The Mithridatic Wars came to a close in 63 BCE, just in time for Cleopatra to arrive on the Egyptian scene and all the Pompey-Caesar drama to begin. In fact, Pompey actually participated in the Third Mithridatic War. It is amazing, really. Mithridates VI ruled for nearly 60 years. He unified his kingdom and boosted his regional influence. He fended off Rome longer than most, but in the end faced defeat and turned out to be a bit genocidal. But after his defeat in the Third War, not even his own sons would aid him, leading Mithridates to execute one. Another of his sons, Pharnaces, would actually rebel against him, joining with Rome. Bringing us to the end of Mithridates' story, his death. Now, I said this was what I was interested in from the beginning, so this was the season of what-ifs, a season of what might have been, but it was also a season of poisonous tales, and that's what got me turned on to this story. You see, from Cleopatra to Zumbi to Julia to Fauna, there are countless poisonous stories to tell, but few have the plot twist of Mithridate's tale. So let's look into this a little more. By the end of his many conflicts with Rome, like most that faced the Republic, Mithridates faced defeat. However, like Cleopatra later proclaimed, Mithridates refused to be led in a Roman triumph, to have his shame be the spectacle of all of Rome, to be a showcase of someone else's glory. In a final desperate act, he and his daughters and wife turned to the deadliest weapon at his disposal, his poisonous potions. The thing that was meant to prevent death was now going to be Mithridates' undoing. So he and his wife and his two daughters drank the poison, and within moments, Mithridates' entire family felt the terrible effects of the potion and died, as Mithridates likely watched in terror. You see, it turns out that his little plan to develop immunity to poisons had actually fucking worked. Yes, Mithridates did not die, and in fact was immune to the poisons he feared most of his adult life and reign. Yes, his fate was to watch his daughters and wife die as he survived, and that's pretty fucked up. Still, there is that pesky triumph lingering over Mithridates' future, so he turned to his guard for a solution, death by sword, supposedly saying to his bodyguard, I have profited much from your right arm against my enemies. I shall profit in it most of all if you will kill me and save me from the danger of being led in a Roman triumph, one who has been an autocrat so many years and ruler of so great a kingdom, but who is now unable to die by poison because, like a fool, he fortified himself against the poison of others." Although I have kept watch and ward against all poisons that one takes with his food, I have not provided against that domestic poison, always the most dangerous to kings, the treachery of army, children, and friends. A bit poetic, to be totally true, but this avoiding the triumph part was certainly a consistent trend as Rome dominated the world. 
And speaking of poems, there is a poem by one A.E. Houseman that tells Mithridate's story. Quote, There was a king reigned in the east, there when kings will sit to feast. They get their fill, before they think, with poisoned meat and poisoned drink. He gathered all that springs to birth from the many venomed earth. First a little thence to more, he sampled all her killing store. And easy smiling season sounds, sate the king with healths went round. They put arsenic in his meat, and stared aghast to watch him eat. They poured, oh god, strythacine in his cup, and shook, and shook to see him drink it up. They shook, they stared, as whites their shirt. Them it was, the, their poison hurt. Yes, I tell the tale that I heard told, Mithridates, he died old. Hate to tell you, A.E. Houseman, but you were kind of told the wrong fucking tale. I mean, I guess he did die old, but something seems to be missing there in the middle. Now, before we move into today's What If, I figured that we should take a second to really look back at the season's theme. I mean, it was certainly more whimsical than Rise and Fall, but it did raise a lot of interesting questions. As a teacher, that's really the glory of What If History, getting to that moment in the Great Mind story where we see things pivot towards fall and ponder what if things had gone the other way. Many would just say, well, they didn't, so who gives a fuck? But not DGMH. No, we decided to go deep into the unknown, falling down so many potentially deep beaver holes to explore what may have been. I mean, the world would look a lot different today, maybe, had Cleopatra found success against Octavian. Brazil's entire history would have probably turned out a little better for millions had Zumbi survived, and America's hero certainly would have remained America's hero. And we all know that Sherry would have been even more annoyed had Bonnie Prince Charlie found success. Or maybe that would have made her like him after all. With Stuart's and her, it is really hard to tell. All in all, though, I enjoyed pivoting from all the facts and exploring the more mysterious side of the past. And it is what we are going to do right now as we ask, what if Mithridates had won the last Mithridatic War? Well, he certainly wouldn't have tried to poison himself and killed his entire family. Not that poisoning himself really worked anyway. Mithridate's potential success could have spawned a ripple of anti-Roman resistance that surged through the Middle East and Egypt. Maybe this could have paved a way for a more successful Cleopatra, although she did pretty good on her own. Still, when it comes to Rome, I have to say I have a hard time seeing anything standing in her way in the long run. Mithridate's success would still have come to face the wrath of Caesar and Pompey and whoever else came along, and he wasn't really going to make it much longer anyways. Still, it is always interesting to see how many tried and failed to resist the growing might of the Roman Republic and eventual empire. And again, in Mithridate's case, I certainly think that the empire would have struck back, eventually. Well, that's it. As far as this beer goes, it's just good. Hard to find, but very tasty. In a quick season finale rating, I will give this beer a 4 for taste. It's a very nice IPA for sure. Price is hard to gauge, as I've only seen it in a local Greek restaurant, so not really fair to go by that price, but I do grab one every time I make a visit. Given that I can't give it a fair price rating, I'm going to cop out and say it's a 4 crown beer. Surprisingly good, as Greek India Pale Ales uh, is something really no one comes to expect. Well, that's it. If you enjoyed this episode of Drinks with Great Minds in History, we hope you'll consider following the show on Instagram and Twitter at DGMH History and joining in the conversation on the Drinks with Great Minds in History Facebook group. Also, we hope you'll leave the show a great, hopefully, five-star review wherever you listen, and we hope you'll consider supporting the show over on Patreon, where our listeners can get access to all sorts of bonus content from Last Call bonus episodes and chats, pre-game conversations where we answer listener questions and chat about all sorts of fun pieces, what I'm teaching, Pete Chats Portugal, Colin Chats China, another moment with Mr. DGMH, another moment with my high school history teacher, 
and another mm, a moment with, a moment with Mr. DGMH, a moment with my high school history teacher, another moment with Mr. DGMH on the Thirty Years War, and I've fucked this up so much. There's a lot of stuff in Patreon land. Go check it out, support the show, and keep us going strong. And don't forget to support the show by going to Manscaped.com, making a purchase, and using code DGMH at checkout to get 20% off and free shipping. So as we wrap up this episode, I just wanted to say that I so appreciate the support that the show has received this season, and that I personally love the listener chats, contributions, questions, and more. So please keep them coming. This has been a fun season for me, with an extremely unique cast of great minds. The Poisonous Tales kept things interesting, the What If piece kept me thinking, and the Stewarts kept Sherry on the brink of insanity. Yes, from Jeanette Rankin to the Bonnie Prince, Egypt to Brazil, we had stories of love and betrayal, revolution and change, and even a good bit of murder, too. It's been fun, certainly less stressful than season three, but still, that's about all I've fucking got. Time for a drink and a break. Thanks for listening, and cheers.